Coming up on this episode of Bro, Do You Even Talk Pinball, Kevin and I are going to interview Nick Baldridge from Four Amusement Games to talk about his newest creation for the P3. So you got two Nicks, one bro. And then, of course, we've got Spooky's reveal of Scooby-Doo, and Kevin and I will answer, are there more than one dicks on the playfield? All that and more coming right up. Double Super Jackpot! And now, the Hall & Oates of Pinball Podcasting, Nick Lane and Kevin Manny of Buffalo Pinball. Whoa, boom shakalaka! Thank you, Nick Lane, for that beautiful intro. What's going on, everybody? Happy December. It's almost the end of a, another wonderful year here of, of pinball news. Uh, Nick Lane, what's going on? So we, uh, we didn't do a podcast in November for Bro, but we, we were on a podcast last month. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess we did missed us. No, we didn't know if it was like November fourth we put out the podcast. Oh, so. oh god, that feels like uh feels like a year ago at this point. <laughs> but there's been we a lot of give news a, since then. Yeah, we should probably give a plug to uh Pinball Party. So thank you for Pinball Party for having us on uh that podcast. You can go check out the episode. I heard it's it's their best episode ever. You know, I'm, P- I'm hearing people things. are saying it's it's the greatest episode ever. You know? My mom says the best episode ever of uh, Pinball Party. <laughs> so check yeah. it out, episode eleven. If you're looking for it in the in the feed, he puts out a lot. So um, yeah, but you want to jump right into some some partners? Let's jump right into some partners. All Thank right, you, partners. here we go. Partner number one, premier partner, Pin Stadium. Pin Stadium Lights is a lighting kit for your pinball machines. Illuminated, award winning mod for your pinball machine it's kind of a no-brainer in this in this day and age uh in, in terms of mods save 10 percent when you use coupon code buffalo controlled by ios uh, or android you can make any color combination you want uh highly recommend it then pinwoofer.com pinwoofer.com you can check out our our interview if you want to learn more about that system from uh last month's podcast it's an upgrade kit for your pinball machine and uh let me tell you he got a lot of orders from that episode, which was great to hear, um, and I also had good feedback from people who purchased it, and they're really happy with their pinwoofer. So again, I, I don't mess around, man. If I take the time and bring somebody on a, a podcast or we have a sponsor, uh, we, we definitely believe in the product, so I'm glad everybody's happy with that. Flipping Out Pinball, especially, talk about believing in products, talk about good people, flippingoutpinball.com, Zach Many, and now his partner in crime, Greg Bone, who will take care of you for customer service. Best customer service in the industry. Why anybody would buy a pinball machine elsewhere is, is beyond me. They're really good people, um, and they basically have every pinball machine and manageable. And you can also get, if you want to be cool, you can get a big buck hunter reloaded like me and you know pay $40 a month for a subscription. Highly recommend throwing your money away on it. It's great. Uh, Titan Pinball, titanpinball.com. Use coupon code BUFFALO to save 10% on silicone rings, uh, pinballs, the most comfortable mat in the industry, Flipper button protectors and 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 much more. I sell them short by just rattling off a couple, but those are my favorite products that they have. Pinballraffle.org, head over there for a chance to win a pinball machine almost every month, uh, and also donate to charity. Talk about winning. Pinside.com got a nice Pinside.com story about people wanting to punch me. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. Yeah, great place to rile people up and set off the <laughs> mentally unhinged. 
Pinside.com, my favorite <laughs> place to talk pinball and upset people unintentionally. All right, Comet Pinball, CometPinball.com, LEDs, the OG in illuminating the pinball machine, CometPinball.com. And then last but not least, Jersey Jack Pinball, uh, still making the most beautiful pinball machines on the planet. Check them out. All right, let's go, Kev. Let's go. All right, let's 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 bring in, let's kick it off with the one and only Nick Baldridge. Uh, you saw him as part of the Drained Reveal stream right here on Buffalo Pinball. Uh, he was dressed up as a vampire. He's not dressed up as a vampire today, but he's uh, he's joining us from his uh, pinball workshop. Uh, Nick Nick Baldridge, what's going on from Four Amusement Only Games? Hey guys, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm dressed as a normal human today, but uh, you know, you know, it's, it's daytime, so the the vampire right, comes exactly. out at night, right? <laughs> exactly, a so. perfectly normal human. That's what that's exactly <laughs> what a normal human would say. Thank you. And I, I, before the show, I thanked Nick for having the same name as Nick, so I do not have to change the name underneath <laughs> the video screen. So you just get Nick, no matter who's talking. So two Nicks, one show. Here we go. So Nick Baldridge, if you didn't know, he is uh, the founder, creator, mastermind behind uh, Four Amusement Only Games, the latest pinball manufacturer on the planet. Uh, and I say that because he is actually manufacturing pinball machines. He's not just saying he's going to. As you can tell, if you're watching the video feed, you can see some of the, the action behind him there, the, the pinball construction action. Um, so he did an interview with uh, this flipping podcast where he talked about Drained, the rules, the art, the music, all the like details behind the game. So if you want to know more about Drained, definitely go check out this flipping podcast. I love that. Love those guys. Tommy and Taylor are great. And um, they did a great job uh, with an overview of the game. Also, you can check out the reveal stream on our YouTube channel if you want to see the game in action. But I wanted to personally bring in Nick because I was part of the uh, the the testers of of Drained, and we had a, a channel on Discord where kind of behind the scenes, Nick was sharing the trials and tribulations of becoming a pinball manufacturer. And I was like, "This is fascinating. I'd love to share this with our audience, especially in light of uh, other quote unquote manufacturers who promise big things and never are able to quite bring things to fruition." So. Uh, with that, uh, let's kick it off with the, the first question. So when people think about designing a pinball machine, they tend to think about the physical play field, right? I'm going to, I'm going to take some ramps. I'm going to slap them on a play field, put some targets. It's going to be fun to shoot. It's going to be great. So, but what else goes into the design of a pinball game and what might most people not consider when they take on a project like this? Well, aside from the actual physical layout, um, you know, one of the things I like to consider is the feeling that the different shots elicit from the player. And those feelings can change based on the mode or the software. Um, so everything has to kind of go hand in hand. You've got uh, the physical layout, the software, the audio, the entire experience, uh, the visuals, um, the artwork, the static artwork, and the dynamic artwork on the P3. Everything has to work together to... Um, elicit whatever emotion or um, just feeling of fun that you're you're looking to to get from the player uh, and it takes a lot of time to to get that balance just right um, I've had some experience doing that now uh, on a commercial basis with other games that I've made uh, that were software only for the p3 uh, games like Ranger in the Ruins Silver Falls and Flipper Foxtrot Rhythm Explosion um, but this was my first foray into uh, the physical playfield layout uh, for the P3 as well. So, um, yeah, it's just it's a it's just a matter of taking all those elements 
and combining them in a way that uh, is is satisfying and fun to shoot or uh, is uh, tense <laughs> or intense. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's tricky just to, to strike the right balance. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you think about, like sure you can get music written for a game or you can you can you know connect with a you know you had charles wolf do your music and he does amazing work but if you don't i guess you have to become like a, a creative art director a music director a project manager like all those different skill sets you need like all of this to to bring this all together right yeah so that that's how i operate but obviously you can you can hire out for any of those different situations so if if you know your strong suit is not art direction or you don't have a particular concept for the way the music should sound, you know, then you can have somebody else do that work for you. But the, the trick is coordinating it all at the end. So on my side, it's I had a really strong concept for how I wanted this game to behave. And so I was able to coordinate the art direction, the sound direction, music direction, everything. Um, along with the software at the same time, which I was also writing. So, um, you know, I had, I had complete creative control. Um, but obviously you can farm that out just depending on, on how you do it. And, and the bigger companies, that's, that's how they do it. They have different people that, uh, handle those different departments or different aspects. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you're, when you're, when you're a startup though, you got to kind of take more under your own, uh, own, own wing till you can, can build up to that, that point. Right. Right. Um, so, so beyond the playfield design, what would you say was the most time-consuming part of the product project, and what skills are needed beyond playfield design? We touched on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, um, you know, programming is probably the most time-consuming, uh, just because you're taking assets that are being generated, or you're generating assets, and then you're pulling them in and making them appear or disappear, <laughs> or animate or whatever. Uh, at a given time uh, on the P3, uh, you're helped in that fashion, both with the SDK, but also with Unity, the game engine that runs the different displays. Um, so it, the job is a little easier. Everything's a, a little easier on the P3, but um, it's still a tremendous amount of work, tremendous amount of work. So uh, making any game is a tremendous amount of work. And, and the software side is really where uh, the rubber hits the road, so to speak, because making a, a target score points relatively straightforward, but making it score points, start a light show, uh, do all these things with the proper uh, overrides. So this light show doesn't override another light show. It's more important. Uh, this audio overrides other audio, ducks out callouts, starts callouts, whatever the case may be. There's a there's a ton of layering that goes into the software creation aspect and um it's it's hard to uh overstate how how uh difficult that is and, and how time consuming it is to make something that feels polished yeah it's uh I, I find that's something new pinball companies tend to lack on their first few games like that that choreography the like the, like you said, the tension, the, there's so much that goes into like making a game exciting and interesting and fun, uh, that it's easy to overlook like, Oh, you just turn the GI on and you make some lights blink and that's it. Right. <laughs> yep. M much um, more. 
much more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so why did you decide to start up for amusement only LLC and why, what was involved with bringing your company online? So uh, early on in the process, you know, I was talking with Multimorphic and they've been fantastic partners throughout this entire process. And they always have been on the software side as well as on this uh, third party module side. And there's a bunch of different options that they gave for how to create the, uh, the modules, actually bring them into being. Um, and I could hire Multimorphic to do it. I could hire a contract manufacturer to do it, or I could do it myself. And so I started looking into what was involved with doing it myself. And of course, the, the company part is um, financial. It's financial protection for my family, but it's also uh, financial protection for the customer. You know, funds are separate because they're with the company. They're not intermingled with my own personal funds or anything like that. Um, but I'm also able to get business insurance. There's there's a ton of different uh, uh, things that had to be thought through as far as how I want things structured, um, how I want to provide the best possible um, service and product for the customers. This is something that uh, took a lot of, of thought and, and required a lot of um, um, discussion with uh, my wife, Molly, who who did all the artwork for Drain, but also <laughs> is my wife. So these are big, important decisions um, that we needed to make as far as, you know, is this going to be possible? Um, if if I were to do it, uh, what's involved? Like, uh, this is this is uh, a big chunk of my life is, is doing pinball-related stuff um, and making software, making games is such a fun thing and sharing them with others is such a, a fun thing. Um, so I wanted to be able to uh, provide a quality product that I knew was manufactured to the specification that I had for it. Um, and any contract manufacturer, it doesn't matter who it is, uh, you're going to run into situations where something either doesn't get assembled correctly or um, a target doesn't operate, or you know, some some kind of funky thing will happen during manufacture, artwork issues, whatever the case is. And so I wanted to avoid as many of those as possible by bringing them in house. Um, that way, there's not a work stoppage if I need to go and adjust something in the manufacturing process, or retool, or replace parts if parts go in and out of availability, which they do all the time. Uh, so it's uh, really the inventory tracking is uh, uh, a huge part of this too. And and of course the accounting and marketing, all this stuff goes together uh, as far as making a company. But, uh, but the real driver behind it was just being able to present what I felt would be the best quality product built to the standard that I wanted it to be built to um, without the need to uh, involve other parties and create additional headache <laughs> uh, to fix problems when they occur. Yeah, no, I mean that makes a lot of sense, and it's it, you're kind of like trading off. Like, do I want to, you know, balance? Do I want to yeah. build all these myself versus, you know, yes, yeah, and then it, like it, when it comes from you, that you know, like, okay, I put this together, uh, right. so I know like this so, module inside and out. And so if there's so anything weird with it, it, then I know where to look. It's way easier to stand behind the warranty uh, that I'm providing 
when I know, you know, I turned all the screws. <laughs> so if I, if I screwed something up, it's, you know, uh, it's the onus is on me to fix it. Everything is my fault or, you know, my good work. So, um, you know, it's, it's everything is a trade-off, absolutely everything. And the same goes for all parts of pinball creation, be it design or software and everything, you know, everything's a trade-off. So, um, you have to make decisions along the way to what you think will uh, produce the best outcome, the best product. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, the the plus side for you, especially as a new startup pinball company, making a module for the P3, you're making a making like a three by three playfield, yes. and the rest of the cabinet is already there. So that removes some of that complexity for you. I that think. that is huge. So yeah, the 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 big difference. One of the big differences between making a full-size cabinet and playfield uh, is just this immense amount of space that it takes up. Mm. Um, as as Kevin mentioned, you know, it's it's like it's actually like a, a two by two um, product, so you know, much smaller, easier to move around, uh, lighter weight, all those things uh, takes up less space to store until you're ready to assemble. So all, all good things. You, you don't have to buy as much wood to build cabinets. You know, you don't have to maintain as much inventory. So yeah, it really, I, I, I can't imagine trying to do this with the whole cabinet and everything like, like some of these startups are trying to do. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So on this flipping podcast, you mentioned that you took out a small business loan to get your company off the ground. What went into that? And did you run into any challenges along the way with that? Uh, so yeah, I mean, just more on the financial side. I, I've been thinking about this for a long time, obviously, and uh, part of that was, okay, how do I want to structure the company? How do I want customers to be treated when they order this product? Will they receive it in a timely fashion? Obviously, I'm doing all the assembly and manufacture myself. Um, so, you know, everything from soldering to crimping connectors to screw in targets to the play field. Um, all that stuff is on me. And so uh, how did I want to come out of the gate with this? And the solution that I came to was that I wanted to um, pre-purchase uh, a lot of parts to be able to assemble as many games as I could practically um, and kind of come out of the gate running. So rather than taking people's money and then using that to fund an allotment of parts and then using that to, to build machines, I'm using my own money, putting my own uh, collateral <laughs> at, at stake uh, in order to, to do this. And I felt like that was the right move. So in order to get the loan, um, it's a through the Small Business Administration, uh, the U.S. has a lot of different um, financial products to help small businesses, just depending on what you're doing. Um, I was lucky to qualify for one in my area, and uh, I got this loan. It's, it is a loan, so you know I have to pay it back, but uh, that was all part of the financial planning aspect. And so, as I say, my money's on the line to um, make these these games and deliver them to people. So uh, I have uh, 
skin in the game, I guess you'd say. And uh, that makes me very interested in delivering a product, making sure I'm doing it the right way. Um, but also the way that uh, all the finances are structured, uh, I don't have to use people's money uh, that they're putting down for deposits or for uh, the completed games in order to uh, get manufacturing started. It's already happening. Yeah, so you, you're already like up and building the first few modules, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so th what was the date? So it was like uh, November 20th? November we... 21st is when the game launched, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we're only a few weeks out from that. So and for for a sole proprietor like you to, to be kicking them off and, and rolling them out that quick, that's awesome. Um, so tell us about your adventures in finding a place to assemble the games. This is one of the things, <laughs> behind-the-scenes things I found so fascinating. So I know you're, you're working with a makerspace now. What was that like, and how does that compare to trying to assemble the games somewhere else? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go through the trials and tribulations and then tell you where I've ended up, which I'm really thrilled with and uh, very happy to have that partner. But um, when I first started looking into this, of course, uh, the federal government, you know, great, go for it. Um, Small Business Administration, you know, cool. Uh, but my locality was not cool with it. So I applied for my business license here in my locality, and they said, uh, no way. Uh, you can't assemble those uh, in your house, which is where I, I started to do it, uh, or, you know, where I told them I was, I was going to start doing it. Uh, this is months before I actually started manufacture. Um, and they came back and said, no way, you need to have a industrial zoned building that you're assembling these things. And so I explained there's, uh, it's all hand tools, there's no power tools, there's no air tools. Um, they didn't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I ended up looking around at, at different localities near me and then talking to commercial real estate people and uh, all this. And I, I will tell you, it's very hard to get commercial real estate people to call you back uh, when you're telling them, you know, here is the size of my brand new company and I just need, you know, whatever the, the smallest shoe box you can fit me into um, it just has to be zoned appropriately. So if I can have 300 square feet, I would be thrilled, you know, just give me something. Um, but no, nobody wants to do that. They want to uh, sign the leases on these giant factory spaces. And, uh, you know, that's just not in the cards, not realistic. So I started looking around at um, kind of uh, business incubators in my area. And I have a friend that's uh, on the uh, board for uh, this makerspace and I, I hadn't joined the makerspace to my great shame uh, it's called build RVA and you know we'd been talking about it for years since the makerspace started up and I, I just uh, didn't have the time to devote to learning these different tools that they have and they have a great variety of different tools that can be used for manufacture so um, everything from CNC's, uh, plastic uh, laser cutters, all, all those kind of things are, are in-house there and uh, give me a lot of flexibility as far as moving forward with another game in the future. Um, but uh, one of the things they do is business incubation. And so I gave them a call and talk, you know, my, my friend got me connected with uh, the person in charge over there 
and um, we had a long talk about what my goals were, what I planned to do, how I planned to do it. And uh, yeah, so I have partnered with them. It's Build RVA, and they're in the city proper. And so that required a different business license than my locality, which is near the city. And uh, But thankfully, the rules were the same. Of course, that's an industrial zoned building. Everything's good. And so I had to get super organized. <laughs> Uh, everything has to be um, assembled over there, and then I bring it back to to check my work uh, late at night, <laughs> and um, just make sure everything. It, this this light that's on here, I can't uh, overstate how powerful it is. It's extremely bright. Um, this is a very dark room normally, but this light shines directly on a work table that I have that I use to to double check everything uh, at night, and then set my goals for the next day. And so I have just a giant number of these uh, kind of U-line uh, containers that are all labeled with the different components that are used in assembly, screws, etc. And um, a big storage uh, container that contains the, the very tiny parts like washers and so forth. Uh, and I just load up the vehicle and bring it over there, put everything together, bring it back. Um, and so that's uh, that's how I'm doing it. Um, you know, as the company grows, if I you know sell a whole bunch of these, then I'll look into other commercial real estate, and of course I'll have more of a bargaining chip with the commercial real estate agents in order to to qualify for a uh, different space because I'll have um, you know a, a big chunk of income that I I didn't have. <laughs> when I was first looking. So that that's the other block. It's like, well, you know, I might sell one of these, you know, who who knows how it's going to go. I would love to sell a ton of them, but um, realistically, you just, you don't know how a game's going to hit. And what I think is a fun game, what you think, Kevin, is a fun game, might not be a fun game for everybody. So I, I just had to make realistic decisions and as educated a decision as I could make uh, with my own money on the line and and all that yeah that's that's amazing <laughs> really so so but beyond like the u-line totes and things like that have you had to buy like tools or fixtures or anything like that to help facilitate the construction of, of these modules so because the modules are, are two by two uh, i don't use a traditional rotisserie um so to check my work i actually i i showed kevin this but i have a giant concrete lazy susan <laughs> And the uh, construction of my module is such that um, it can stand upside down or right side up um, without damage to the module. So I can flip it upside down, spin it around, check everything <laughs> 360 degrees. Um, and that's that's really helpful. Um, yeah, but other than the, the totes, I haven't had to, to buy much else. I already had all the tools that were needed for assembly because um, I've been assembling these. I've been... Um, Aside from being a in-home repair tech for many, many years, I also built uh, a number of white woods and uh, samples. So I I had all the the stuff that I needed, all all the uh, the wrenches and so forth <laughs> uh, at hand. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, how so? How many hours does it take to build a playfield module? So that's a that's a little tough to say because there were a few changes from 
uh, sample to production at each step of the way there have been some minor changes so uh, I'm finishing up the assembly of the uh, second production module at the moment and so I've done some tasks in parallel with the first one and some that are not based on uh, the um, uh, the changes that needed to be made but I, I do as many tasks in parallel as possible and that way I'm as efficient as possible so if uh, I'm installing targets uh, I make sure that I have targets for all the um, current orders that I think I can handle or transport safely you know all that all that stuff kind of goes into it so um, I, an estimate that I have right now for the early ones is about 24 hours, um, but that should improve with some time. So um, as I get more experience with the new production processes under my belt, you know, that should go down a couple of hours, I would imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and 24 hours seems like a lot, but it's like, you know, a, few, a couple working days worth of time to build a module. It's really not that bad. But, but you have to split it up. So like the electrical happens on basically one day or two days, and then you know, the mechanical happens on another day. So um, not everything happens in a straight line, in other words. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, how many parts does it take to make a, a play field module uh, drained? Uh, so it takes about 100 discrete parts, a little over, um, but, but thereabouts. Uh, and that was a big part of the thought process. So, I mean, there's... <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of hard to describe... Because if you haven't done it or, or tried to assemble your own uh, white wood that is intended to go for production, there's a very different thought process involved than if you're building a one-off, which I've also done, or if you're just maintaining a game. So um, I wanted to use as many parts that were similar to make maintenance easy. So there's the assembly part. There's also the maintenance part. And... Um, uh, you know, the intent is to make it um, simple for everybody, but I'm willing to, to put up with some uh, uh, tougher manufacturing or assembly processes than I would expect an operator or a homeowner or any customer to put up with on the maintenance side. So, um, yeah, that's... I, I'm, nice. I'm yeah, pretty no. sure that yeah that makes sense yeah. Um, yeah so you've always got a number of projects in the works what's what's next for for amusement only so the next thing that i'm going to do and i've already started pre-production on this but it's it's very early and it's put way on the back burner uh while uh i i assemble these games but the next game that i'm going to make is actually for a console called the playdate which is this little handheld console with a crank um and I, I do a little podcast about that uh, as well with a couple of friends. But um, it's it's a fun little system. It's got all these different constraints. It's black and white. Uh, it's um, you know one bit graphics, uh, but it is very interesting from a game design perspective. So um, I have uh, other games planned as well, uh, computer game, and then other pinball games as well. But the the main thing is that I don't want to overload myself or my manufacturing process by taking on too many different tasks. So everything outside of manufacturing is on hold. Any other pinball 
games that I have planned are way on hold until uh, I feel like uh, the the markets reach saturation with drained, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I, I know you're always tinkering though, and I, I've seen uh, the play date. It looks really cool. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should get one of those. Maybe maybe when your game comes out, I'll grab one. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. So uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. This has been awesome. Like I said, if you want to see Drained in action, uh, check out the reveal stream we did on the Buffalo Pinball YouTube channel. You can learn more about it, the game there. Check out the This Flippin' Podcast to, to get more behind the scenes or even uh, Nick's own podcast, the For Amusement Only uh, podcast, where he's shared some personal insights on on how to make a game and bring in Drained to market. So uh, let folks know where they can learn more about you and For Amusement Only and Drained. Yeah, so foramusementonlygames.com is my company website. I also list out different personal projects and so forth there. But uh, drainedpinball.com is the the main hub of Drained Pinball. So um, check it out, and uh, if if you like it, uh, shoot me an email, and we'll we'll go from there. Yo, quick quick question, Nick. Um, what sure. is, and I'm sorry if I missed this earlier, but I what is your uh, what's your background? What's your professional background? And do you do this full time now? Uh, so I'm in IT, and I've been a professional IT person for uh, a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, this is this is not my full time gig. This is my my second full time gig. Um, after after my my day job which is still it so um there's that thought process went into it as well it's like how do i how do i balance the two and make sure that everybody is satisfied and you know excited about what i'm getting them but also making sure that i'm able to uh, address issues like you know, a big server meltdown or whatever <laughs> uh in in the day job can can i balance those two and i i came to a reasonable i think um uh balance between them so awesome all right thanks thanks for coming on thanks for sharing that sure awesome, thank, thank you both for having me yeah have a great day and uh good luck with drain we look forward to, to seeing what's next thank you all right all right, Nicolene, let's do some news. And before we do that, let's have our, our proper news intro. Here's the tip. It's the latest pinball news. So hot, it's on fire. All right. Now now we can do news. It's official. We can do the news. So uh, let's kick it off with... Uh, so um, Spooky Pinball has announced uh, Scooby-Doo. So let's, let's look yeah, at Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was there something else you wanted to start off with yeah i uh all right I, I hate that we have to do this kevin but we've got to put a trigger warning for uh spooky customers uh because i i didn't realize this until we did our podcast last month but there's some unstable people over there in that group and uh i think we got to address that first all right well let's kick it off do the honors yeah uh, um listen if if you don't if you cannot stand for us to not say anything but good things about Spooky Pinball, you probably want to skip ahead to maybe when we're bashing like Stern or something else, all right? I have nothing against Spooky Pinball. Um, I give my reasons why I might have issues with certain games. but uh, And like normal people, no more well-adjusted people are like, what the fuck is Nick talking about? <laughs> so, you know, the nice thing is about being in this hobby is you, you put yourself out there and um, there's a nice uh, Halloween thread in, in Pinside. And uh, we probably should address a couple of these things. Number one, I don't go into that thread. People send me stuff. I mean, I would be an asshole if I went into a, like a fan club thread and said bad things about their game. I don't do that. This is this is mine and Kevin's podcast, and people can 
voluntarily come and listen to our opinions because that's what we do. We, 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 we talk about games, right? We give opinions on games. That's it. We're super passionate about pinball. Well, apparently, um, we, we have not been saying nice things about Halloween, uh, which is not unfounded. I think we, we, we back up our reasons, right? I'm not like, I yeah. hate Halloween. Spooky sucks. And then we're like, all right, let's move on to this topic, Kevin. We're like, no, no, here, here's the why. Here's the issues. And anyways, what are you talking about, Nick? Well, number one, we got called. We'll, we'll start in like order of severity. Um, yeah, are you starting low and going high? Is that what you're doing? I, I think you so. Well, you can, you you can help me reorder it. I was told that I'm unhappy. Nick looks really like an unhappy person. Okay, okay. so are, is, is Nick Lane an unhappy person, yes or no? Um, I, I would. L- so the, the, here's here's the justification. <laughs> Maybe of, they of, got it. Maybe they nailed it. <laughs> no, I'm not. You didn't I, say I'm no. not. I'm not. I'm I'm passionate about pinball. I, okay. I, this is not mine and your full time jobs, and yet we we on a Saturday morning, right? We we bring our equipment together and we talk about it and we try to help people and give opinions. So. There, the, I was called unhappy because I don't like Halloween. That's it. That's the, this man's criteria. He seems unhappy. You know what's wonderful, though? I'm a little jealous, though. I wish, part of me wishes, and life would be much easier, if, like, every pinball machine I played just brought unbridled joy to me. Like, I, I couldn't discriminate between a, a quote-unquote good game or bad game. Just every flip, everything. doesn't matter if the game resets in the middle of the game and carries over score from player two or the score's nonsensical or if the powder coat's rubbing off of my hands i just fucking love it every <laughs> moment because that sounds like the ideal spooky customer right but that's not how i am unfortunately right like this is like i had to imagine that mentality because there are people that are just happy with pinball and that's great i mean it's 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 kind of a nice way to go through life it's like every piece of music you hear wonderful you just hear music it doesn't matter complex simple terrible what like well maybe other people who think call it terrible you just hear music and you're just happy and joy all right i i my, my mind doesn't work that way the only way my mind works that way is like if i drink wine i've purposely not put any effort into discerning between good or bad wine because i don't want to introduce that to my life right i just i'm like i'm i'm like a spooky customer of wine you just give me wine i'm happy gets me buzz gets me drunk that's it. I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to discern. So I get it, sir. But I, that doesn't mean I'm I'm unhappy. I'm just discerning. All right. That's by the low end. Uh, okay. You you got see. This is mostly on me. You got dragged into the other comment in there. Oh shit. Let's go. I don't think I heard this one. Oh, uh, you heard it. You got we okay. got called douchebags. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they also took issue that uh, during the stream when we went. People oh, love yeah. this shit. People. Love, right. I'm, I'm going off. I'm having fun. People. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got called douchebags because on the uh, uh, when we streamed Halloween pinball, we were over at our friends Patrick, who we talk about this motherfucker on every podcast. We love Patrick, good guy. All right, Patrick's watched the show. Patrick's invited us over. Patrick's our friend. Talk to him nearly every day. So we're on the show, and we're kind of like we were actually kind of pretty good. Well, that's what I'm gonna say. Like. We were like, you said that was like one of your favorite shooting spooky games. Like you were saying nice things about yeah. this game. The I thing, was pretty I said, good. Like, I said like it was fun, but like it doesn't keep me coming back. Like I don't want to keep hitting the start button. Like I've had enough. That was when people were asking me what I liked. Yeah, I, I, was, I was like, I fe- sorry. <laughs> no, dude. Like so, like I, overall, the, I was negative on it, but I was also like, it doesn't shoot. You know, I was trying. I was trying to be fair, right? 
but they we were called douchebags because like these guys are douchebags. They go over to their their supposed friend's house and shit on his game. It's like, <laughs> dude, first of all, what kind of friends do you have in life? Here, here's the deal. Like my ideal relationship is where my friends can be honest. They can express their opinions honestly. Like if you have friends that everything they say is negative to you, then you probably want to get new friends. But if you have friends that are just honest, giving their honest opinion, you know, like there's there's positives or negatives. Also, Patrick. Patrick knows what he's getting into of having us over. We'd be worse if we were like, oh, Patrick, this game's the greatest thing ever. And then we're like getting back on our podcast and be like, hey, fucking idiot Patrick buying Halloween. You know, like, <laughs> by the way, Patrick hates that game. He is like not going to be a spooky customer ever again. He said losing $2,000 on the thing was he's happy he just lost the 2000 just to be done with that game. Okay. All right. So, and as Patrick's okay, he's he's gone to therapy since... We went over and, and made fun of his game. Okay, he, he went to a therapist. Therapist gave him some drugs. So now he can uh, move on with his life. He had to sell his spooky games, though, because we heard him. We damaged him so bad. This 40-some-year-old man was so traumatized by us not going over there and validating his game purchase that he had to sell it. Lost $2,000, but he's working through it, okay? And uh, now he's bought an alien. So I'm seeing progress on him, all right? We'll probably go over there and make fun of his alien at some point, and then it's going to repeat the cycle. He's got to go to therapy again, get some more drugs, and then sell that at a loss. But listen, that's what good friends do, okay? Yeah. Well, Patrick was the one that actually sent us the screenshot of that comment, wasn't he? Hell yeah. 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 Or, we're friends. We're friends. Or Patrick is an adult who can who doesn't need people to validate his pinball purchases, and his self-esteem doesn't rely on what Nick and Kevin fucking think. Holy Slap, shit. Slap Nuts is having a good time in chat. So good. You know this is for you, my friend. Let's go. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. What's next? And then the next is is uh, somebody saying that I have what they call a punchy face. They see my face. They want to punch me. This is the level Whoa. of like. So <laughs> here's the interesting thing. We we talk about Halloween. We're like, oh, I don't like it because I don't like this aspect. And it's not like they're over there and saying, hey, you know, I think maybe Nick and Kevin haven't spent much time or maybe. You know, what they value in a pinball machine is different than what I value. It's just straight to, like, violence and name-calling, mm-hmm. which just tells me we're right. We're <laughs> 100% right about that game, right? That's it. That game is indefensible. Let me give you guys a good... De- First of all, shame on you, Pinside, for not... They, they moderated that comment that they wanted to punch me, but it's still up there, and nobody's saying, hey, maybe we... Maybe you need to get some help if the idea that somebody doesn't like your pinball machine and saying they don't like it makes you want to punch them. Like, dude, what the fuck, man? Get, <laughs> get, get, get some help. Giant, giant boxes of lights, grown man toys. Like, like let's yeah. just have fun. All right. Yeah. Or don't listen to our podcast. Also or, that. I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. But like, look in the mirror. I don't. It'd be nice if we can just I know it's a guy on the Internet, but look, it's a niche hobby. We go to shows, right? Like. Isn't that talking about what game you like and don't like? And and I'll say a nice thing to you. I appreciate that you're so passionate about pinball. I'm a passionate about pinball. You're so passionate you're willing to commit a felony or, or a misdemeanor or whatever and try to punch me. Like, that's amazing. Okay? <laughs> but I would just say maybe re- maybe tone it down and re-examine it. You disagree with me. Okay? I'm glad you like your game. Here's Let me, let me help you guys defend Halloween. Here's what I would say. All right? All right. Here's like a rational thought I'll answer. Listen, like, I understand... You know, when Nick and Kevin are saying about the game, what I like about that game is, like, I'm just happy that Spooky has... They, they make a lot of titles that other manufacturers won't make, and Halloween happens to be one of my favorite themes. 
I don't nerd out on games so much that I care about, you know, the scoring balance or the the the, the depth in it. And and yeah, maybe it doesn't have the level of polish of like a Jersey Jack, but I am so thrilled to have a Halloween pinball machine in my collection that I'm willing to tolerate some of these things that that they bring up. And I would say to that, dude, I'm happy that Spooky is making games that other manufacturers wouldn't make. I'm happy they made a game that that you like and brings you joy. And I'm happy that you're in the hobby. That's great. Not, I want to punch you in the face and these guys are douchebags. So, (laughs) but you know, all right. So that's a, that's a really long trigger warning because we're going to get into Scooby-Doo. But I don't know if all of you guys can credit shout out to all the spooky owners who are mentally well adjusted and, and, and do that kind of like internal thinking and don't have to say that out loud and can still appreciate us and come to us and listen to our opinion. We can talk about that anyways. All right, let's go. Go ahead, Kevin. Let's, well, so, so yeah, spooky owners are the guys that, that like, oh, there's boobs in Halloween, and that's why I bought it. <laughs> I, Not I looking good, spooky owners. Like We've been talking about games <laughs> since 2016, and this is the first time violence has been brought up against us <laughs> and an excessive name calling. So yeah. I, I don't know what that says about their customer base, but it's not good. They're also calling for an adult mode on a Scooby-Doo pinball machine. So, you know, what? I can't help you. I can't help you. All right, Scooby-Doo, ladies and gentlemen. Let's Scooby-Doo, go. let's go. Let's go. So, uh, they, uh, Spooky Pinball, who, uh, you know, I don't know this. I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but it, it seems like Charlie is like not even part of the company anymore and the kids are running the show now. But um, they announced Spooky, uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, where are you? Based on the, the 60s and 70s, Scooby-Doo. Looks really good. Um, the art's good. Um, Nick, we'll, we'll talk about certain points of the art uh, later, but here's here's the who's who. So game design is by Spooky Luke and Corwin, quote-unquote, Bug Emery. Uh, software by Spooky DJ. Rules by Luke Peters. Uh, art by Matt Frank and Jeff Zornow. Jeff Zornow. Animations by Bill Rude and Brady Duke. Uh, music by Matt, quote-unquote, County Montgomery. And voice acting by Frank Welker, Matthew Lillard, Kate Minucci, I think I nailed that, and uh, Greg Griffin. So there's the who's who. Uh, Let's start there, Nick. How do you feel about that uh, design team? Not good. The only thing that I read on there that's, like, good is I fucking love Matthew Lillard, dude. Like, SLC Punk is one of my favorite movies of all time. He's he's great. He's uh, Matthew Lillard was uh, uh, one of the bad guys in, spoiler alert, Scream 1. Um, if you don't know who Matthew Lillard and of course from the Spooky Doo, he does uh, um, um, does he do Shaggy right, or is he do Scooby? He does Scooby. Uh, right? Sh- he does Shaggy. He does. He doesn't do Scooby. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> he's he's legit from the movie. Uh, the movies. So good job landing Matthew Lillard. Love him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is. I think we know the Spooky Sp- Spooky's business model. Get a and and this is listen like like American Pinball should be still in this playbook. Get a fucking license that people can't say no to. There's people who just cannot say no to license. And and if you can make a box of wood that lights up and put some art on it, no matter what, they'll buy it. Period. Yeah. I've seen comments where people were like, oh, I swore off sco- uh, Spooky Pinball, but I got to have a, spook- a Scooby-Doo game. So there, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, this that's is, why you get a license that hits the nostalgia button, right? I, I mean, I maybe this might be I, I, I lack the information to make this judgment call on this, but none of those people mentioned i don't know what a good track record or anything like that i mean so yeah it doesn't that does nothing for me the the design team yeah it's 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 a big question mark for like game design software rules 
uh art is really good uh animations to be determined because they haven't shown any of that uh music also to be determined with the voice acting they they it's awesome that they got the folks on board from the 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 series and the movies and uh yeah i think the, the theme is really good like i watched scooby-doo my my son was a scooby-doo fan growing up so if this was from a company that i i trusted to uh, build a quality product or that would be well supported and, and manufactured then uh i might consider a game like this but spoiler alert i'm not buying a scooby-doo sorry um all right let's 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 continue down uh the road of what's going on so here's the price in production uh so the pricing is really good i gotta say uh relative to other pins that have come to the market lately so standard edition 77 69 uh do you think they did that the 69 on purpose uh oh it's 1969 i think is the uh the year it came out so it, it's also it's a it's innuendo but also the year conveniently the year it came out uh bloodsucker edition 87 69 and collector's edition 9769 and it's limited to 1969 units so that's that's pretty good right the pricing's pretty good uh yeah what's the i mean so their lowest model what's the stern bond pro sell for i'm just curious what, what their new what their pro i was looking that up while, while you asked oh that. yeah i think uh, it's in the ballpark right 69.99 so i mean still i mean their, their base like model a thousand dollars over it is more than that and and you can argue it's like well i mean I, i'm sure the quick arguments can be oh you know this the standard still has more kind of sculpts things going on 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 the um on the play field so it's like Okay, yeah. Well, let's see where the game is at when both games have been out a year. Let's then complain. Like, like, but let's then compare it in terms of build quality, um, sound, art, rules, and stuff. Because it's not just shit on the playfield. Yeah, it's not, that, it's not that is a, a build of materials. No, a, a thing to know though. There's no playfield differences between the two models, right? It's all yeah. like cosmetic stuff, like like uh, you know, say, uh, uh, Hobbit or um, Wizard of Oz. Like they, those are all the same, no matter what trim level you got. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how to reconcile the price, right? Like, is that price good or bad? I mean, it's, again, Stern Pros are still cheaper. Um, so it's not like, I, I don't know. It remains to be seen, right? Like, it, you, you can really only judge it after you see the build quality, the, the game in, in totality. And, and, we, and we don't know that yet. Right. And the, you know, the, the fact that they came out with the new TNA and that didn't sell out, they may have bumped them to to keep the prices lower um uh, i think i think everybody's just happy that there's not a model over ten thousand dollars right because that tends to be uh where they on the high end like like spooky or um therns like the high end wasn't um wasn't uh 007 that was like over like 11 or 12 grand for the le right so if you look on the high end that's 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 where the big difference is i think Donnie says we should get Patrick to buy it so then we can go and, and trash talk it. See, the, you know, the problem is that uh, Patrick is so traumatized. And I think James <laughs> is also in the – like, James and Patrick were the guys buying these games. And I think even, like, they've both called a quit on on Spooky, allegedly. Right? No, like, we'll, well see. No, no James not is both of them. It? Not both of them. James. <laughs> James. James. <laughs> James, we're going to come over and make fun of your game, all right? It's, yeah, it's, I already it's, told him we were going to do that, so – it's because we love you. All right. Well, let us know when you get you it. We'll, be, we'll bring our equipment. We'll do it live. We'll live it bullying live. from Buffalo Pinball. And anybody else, if you're interested in having Buffalo Pinball come over and bully you about your game, just reach out to us and we'll be happy to come <laughs> and do that. You got to make sure you can handle it first, though. 
Um, all right, so let's let's check out some of the the features. Uh, it's a it's a wide body, which I was surprised. Well, it's a wide body, but with an asterisk. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, five five color. Oh my god, I forgot how ridiculous this. So uh, this quote unquote deep dies is on uh, this weekend pinball. So it's got five five uh, wire forms, and they're colored after the people. Great uh, and triple double. Double, triple drop targets. Okay, so two banks of three drop targets. Um, it's got the bookcase upper playfield diverter, Captain Cutler bash toy with magna hands, uh, five ball mystery machine lock. Uh, yep, two metallic green ramps, two spinners, under playfield secret passage, so it's got a subway. Uh, ball save, RGB drop target. So it's got the, uh, the best uh, diamond part. girl. You're getting the best Diamond part lady. on that screen. Hold on. This is this Kevin Scones oh, putting stuff go. on the screen, and he's not. Uh, if you've got children, this is you might want to step away for a few minutes. Uh, Jesus, Kevin, you got to put a uh, not suitable for work up there. Should, should I do this one instead? Oh God, there it is. <laughs> Kevin has a knack for finding dicks on a playfield. Let's just get into it. This, this wasn't me. This was uh, the internet. Look at that. Us. Look at that. They did. And it. it's like, look at. What's that, Daphne on the left? Look at yeah. like look where that is in relation to her wide open. I mean, yeah. come on, mm-hmm. come on, <laughs> yeah. dude. This is uh, this is how it went down. Uh, you know, Stern has that giant dildo on there on Bond game, and uh, Spooky's like, hold my beer. You've got you've got one dick. We got two. <laughs> and our dicks flop around too. Does don't those move, Kev? No, they, so they're they're not only are they purple phalluses, but they're also ball locks. Conveniently, like the ball with shoots out of the dick, right? Yeah, and you, 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 the ball like the the hand like pushes it out. There oh, you go. Geez. So, it, so it, that's it, like it, anybody it, it, it ejaculates that, like, from I, that. Yeah, now I can't unsee it. So we've just uh, done that for everybody watching this. Look, show, at, so. this is not even on us. I don't want it, this show to devolve into like dick humor, but like the like they keep on doing this. How do you not talk about the elephant or the dick in the room, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You can't. All right. Well, moving on. Let's, we, you know, you can have the kids listening in. Uh, it's got an RGD action button. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be RGB. <laughs> RGD. Oh, you can don't I know that, Kevin? <laughs> it's RDG. Red, green, and uh, uh, what color starts with D? I don't know. I don't think there is a color that starts we with D. We got in trouble last time because people were upset that we gave Spooky a hard time for their posts on, on uh, Facebook. Uh, oh, that was hard to interpret. But again, this is like I think this is like it comes down to this is why we you, you pick on them for the RDG. It's attention yeah. to detail, right? Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, this is an attention to detail issue that I think that we 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 call this one on could this week. one could be this weekend pinball. Uh, to be fair, that could be this weekend right. pinball. Let me All let right. me fair let enough. me address I be that. Fair. I want to yeah. be fair. I want to address the uh, um the 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 Facebook post because that was another thing they called us out on. Was that? Oh, they misinterpreted like like we were liter- we were intentionally spinning that Facebook post to make it seem bad. Yeah, I I read what they wrote, and what they yeah. wrote was bad. That's yeah. bad communication. If you did you did you know when you were when you so you show me things live, so you didn't know that that's right. what they meant. You literally thought that that's what they were saying is right pe- because that's what they wrote. And I, I just want to say, yeah, I mean, we'll bring. The, I'm glad I brought that up. Kevin is like an award winning. Uh, P- uh, he he's a writer. He does communications. He does PR, social media. Like, like Kevin's not an idiot, okay? And and Kevin misinterpreted that. And then Kevin showed me on the screen, and I I you know I have a 
I'm, I'm in a business of communication, right? And and I read it exactly what they wrote. Like it's bad intention to detail. We're not just it's you get looking at things in the totality, right? Like it's not just like one bad post is spooky. It's like this. No, this goes along with like an attention to detail thing, right? Like they just kind of rush and put things out there and. Then problems ensue. And, and to their credit, I think somebody from Spooky wrote on the uh, YouTube clip. They're like, no, this is what it was meant. And it's like, okay. And they did it in a polite way. And they weren't like, you guys are at. like, that. that's fair. But still, it's 100% understandable why it was interpreted that way. Right. You got to, you got to, you could totally avoid that situation by like having somebody who has no knowledge of Halloween. Like, I'm not a Halloween owner. So I don't know that they were promising a code update on Halloween that by the way, also never came out. Uh, that was supposed to be some big, like, amazing code update, and then they ended up firing their coder or whatever the coder left. I don't know exactly what happened. And they brought this other guy on that wasn't going to be able to get it done in time. You know, you, you could say it in a way that is, makes it more obvious to people who aren't on the inside, right? And you should always, you know, as a communicator, as a writer, always have somebody else review what you put up before you put it up because <laughs> you can't pull it back down. And again, it's not like... You know, we're gonna jump on every mistakes my makes. It's, this is in a larger discussion, right, right. Of, about mistakes and issues and things that are just kind of frustrating with this company. Um, so their new uh, software guy's not working on this game. He's he's spending his time on on making Halloween uh, playable. Is that what's going on? Real functioning I, machine? I, I think so. I don't, okay. I don't want to say anything wrong because somebody might want to punch me in the face. So. Well, <laughs> you know, if you're hanging out with me at a pinball show, your life's in danger. <laughs> Well, maybe it's good because they'll punch you instead of punching me. Yeah, it's good for some or is people. It, or am I guilty by association? They'll punch us both. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Hopefully, know. there's no punching. You don't don't punch anybody. Just we got to get a, a mental uh, wellness sponsor for the show. <laughs> there's there's got to be some like. Uh, Dude, your your audio just went into like. Uh, is it uh, crazy see. time? All right. Yeah, there on. you go. You're good. You're good. You're good. No, no it's, uh, it's, it's like there we go. There it is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> are we going to run out of Zoom time too? No. Do we have like no, a, we're, good. Okay, we're good. We're good. Right. Um, okay. Back to back to uh, the, 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 the Scooby Doo Bloodsucker Edition. So there's three editions. Uh, Bloodsucker, you get, <clears throat> excuse me, the clear plastic protectors, interior graphics, knocker, shaker, interactive RGB speaker lights, metallic flake powder coat, laser cut speaker reel. So a bunch of, bunch of, uh, bunch of trim stuff to, to make it look fancy. The collector's edition, uh, you get a custom art package by Matt Frank and Jeff Zornow, ghoulish green plastic protectors, custom zombie chasing Scooby speaker grills. Ghoulish green powder coat, RGB LED, multi-layer villain topper, topper. I think I think we're gonna hear more about that in Topper Talk. Um, custom creeper armor, Scooby Doo dog tag launch button. Oh, you don't get that launch button on the other games. That's kind of lame. I like that. Um, minor 49er Scooby mine car sculpts and a bunch of extra sculpts. So you get a, a bunch of extra um, toys on your playfield. Topper looks pretty cool. It's a it's a bunch of lit up booty rape. I don't think it moves or anything, so you got that. This is my this is my favorite part of the uh, of the deep dive. So here's can here's I, the rules. Can I just say though, quick? I think yeah, the yeah. game looks great. I think Absolutely. Like, aesthetically, like it looks great, and a lot of times that's what they do well, right? Like it probably looks great to have in your game room. It's when you hit start, things start 
falling apart, both literally and, and, and figuratively. Well, they, they, yeah, they, Spooky definitely has that part nailed. They know they got to yeah. get a good theme and good art yeah. and limit the number of production and they're going to sell out. And yeah, they just keep doing it over and over again. Although they haven't yet, as far as I know, sold out of this one. And I wonder why. Maybe because they fucked people over on Halloween. But anyways, that's my speculation. <laughs> so, but, but they know, like, people are going to get the FOMO and they're going to get their wallets out and they're going to throw their $2,000 over and then they're going to wait for a year and a half to get their game. Because it's a... Uh, and then, you know... Hopefully, by the time it gets to your door, maybe there's some code in it, but maybe not. Um, all right. So, the rules and code. Are you ready? So, this is an action-packed wide-body game uh, based around solving original series mysteries, collecting Scooby Snacks, having the ultimate Scooby pinball experience. Five-player pl- five gameplay. So, you can play five players, which kind of makes sense because there's the five gang members. Um, all members That's of the cool. gang are selectable, and there's a bravery meter. Cool. Again, cool. <laughs> sounds sounds fine. All right. Look, sounds look fine. At these we're, rules. We're, we're okay so far. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is about right. <laughs> Here, here's the deep dive rules they've provided. Start a case. Collect the white clue shots, then start a case at the mystery machine. Character modes. Complete character orbit shots. Captain Cutler multiball. Bashback Cutler's dive helmet. Mystery machine multiball. Rip spinners to qualify locks at the mystery machine. <laughs> is it really really well like you said like people were have been uh, saying rules are too complicated right so let's keep it real simple <laughs> you know it's a real the, to me this shows that there's like the real minimal code in the, there's got to be minimal code in this game otherwise there'd be a lot deeper dive into these rules because you know these five word descriptions of yeah what the what the rules are complete we would have gotten away with it wizard mode complete all cases <laughs> That's that's all you get. That's all you get. There's a super wizard mode. All right. Uh are you hyped for those rule those uh rules? I mean, it's it's whatever. I mean, small towns saying look there's more to it and of, of course there is more, more to it. You know, again, it's it's Spooky's ability to deliver um a, a complete rule set in a, you know, reasonable period of time. Um their ability to deliver a code that is not riddled with bugs. Right, so that's where we're highly skeptical because of past experiences with their games. They they have a terrible track record, I'd, I would say. Um, so that's why you get kind of this um, a lot of skepticism, a lot of negativity surrounding it. And maybe you know you could say, oh, you guys are being overly harsh. There's more. That's just what's what's written up there. But it's like, yeah, but there's a reason why. And I'm 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 I want Spooky to put out a good game. I want Spooky to be successful. I want American Pinball to be successful and put out good games. That's why we criticize because we know that they can do better. So I would love to see this be like an amazing game where like all the past things that we've complained about are not present on this. I mean, I, I want people who buy games because they're excited their their theme got made. I want them to get a great product. Like I'm I'm on your side. I'm on I'm on the consumer side at the end of the day which is why I'm harsh on the manufacturers when they don't deliver. So yeah, I, I, prove us wrong, man. The best, the best way to silence the critics is by actually addressing these issues and, and producing a good product. So we're all, I think at the end of the day, that's what we all want. Yeah. Um, and th- so they, they put out a gameplay video, but the gameplay video literally only shows the ball rolling around the play field and making shots. You don't see anything about rules. You don't see the display at all. You don't hear any of the sounds. So you don't know, you don't know what's there, and even like the the lighting effects that are he- that you see are 
pretty basic. There's there's not a lot going on um, choreography wise so far from what we can tell. The game overall impressions of the game. Uh, it looks great. Um, the theme is really good. In, in the, that sense, uh, it looks great. The the shots. It, the, the layout reminds me of Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. I don't know. Spooky has some, an obsession with upper playfields. So if, if you play uh, Popeye and you're like, I love how I can never see the ball. <laughs> I want more pinball like that. That's a, this, this game reminds me of a mix of uh, Popeye and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle kind of mixed together. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of um, Demolition Man in the fact that so to... The shooter lane is not all the way to the right of the cabinet. There's actually a, like a inch and a half of the play field that's not accessible to the player. It's just got like these lights on it. That's the the spooky meter or whatever they were calling it earlier. Um, so it's kind of a standard body game and a wide body cabinet. Um, but that that's what reminds me of Demo Man because Demo Man's got that left hand side that doesn't really do much. So uh, here's the right hand side so yeah it's a it's a wide body that probably lets them widen out the shots at the top a little bit so maybe they they took everyone's advice and they made alice cooper except you can actually make the shots now because they're a little wider hopefully, hopefully that's what's going on here um but it's i don't know it's there's so so many questions the other thing the other thing that concerns me about this is they're introducing yet another board set so they've they, they launched with the pin hack boards so that was in the, their first few games. So America's Most Haunted, Rob Zombie, Dominoes, and maybe maybe um, Jetsons were all on Pinhack. Then they switched to P-Rock, which we we got a couple games on P-Rock. I, th I think the first um, TNA was P-Rock. Actually, the, the new one is too, I think. And then there's a, the Rick and Morty was P-Rock. And there might have been one more in there. But then for uh, Halloween and Ultraman, they went to the Pinzilla or whatever the heck it was. Uh, Pinatar, that, that was it. Um, went back to Ben Hackey, designed an all-new board set that, you know, we've seen pictures of the, the board starting on fire <laughs> on Pinside. So maybe they're like, oh, let's not. I, I, they I, Actually, I've heard um, Ben Hack is not working with them anymore. So maybe they had a falling out. I don't know. Um, and now they're on to a fourth iteration of a board set. So, you know, they've got to develop a whole new uh, operating system, like pinball operating system on this, this platform. They've got to bring everything up to speed. They also have to like, think about the, the previous owners. So if I have a pin hack board in an America's most haunted and it dies, what are the odds that they have spares laying around when they've gone through three other iterations of, of boards and driver boards behind their, uh, behind their systems? It's, it's got to be so hard, you know, and we've heard of that from our, our local friend who repairs spooky games. It's, you know, getting replacement parts for those older games is really hard. So that introduces some skepticism from my perspective for, you know, if I were to, to jump in and buy this game, am I going to be able to get the parts I need down the line to keep this game running and, and keep it going? So um, it's it, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me. I'll, I'll say that. Um, Nick, what I mean, are your good, overall thoughts on uh, on Scooby? No, I mean, first of all, good good points uh, you brought up, right? Like, and again, this is 
the issues with the um, manufacturing issues that they have in, in terms of um, just the, the quality, right, is is below. Let's say let's say Stern is an A in quality just because maybe they're they're the highest, even though they have a lot of problems, they t- they tend to fix it and stuff. Spooky would be like a C minus, right? Like in, in in my book. So I am like I said, I think the game looks aesthetically great. All right, like I, I, it just looks no, visually nice. Um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed that they didn't sell out immediately because isn't this like the to- the total units that they're making for this? Isn't this less than their last release when they came out with both Halloween and uh, whatever the other thing thing is? I think it's about th- the same when you add the two. Up. <clears throat> Maybe it's a little oh, less. Oh, oh, okay, I thought it was less for some reason. I can't, um, I can't remember. But I'm encouraged that people are like not blindly ordering it like they were other games and you know that might seem like a dickish thing to say but like again going back to what we were talking about spooky earlier me and kevin are not spooky customers this is not to say that we won't one day i mean if the company turns around and addresses the things that we complain about yeah maybe we would be what you need to be concerned about is not what nick and kevin think about the spooky game but what former spooky owners are are done with spooky because of all the issues that they've had from years of buying spooky and, and getting burned by it you need to be more concerned about the patricks who are walking away from spooky and there's a lot of them that won't buy another one because of a spooky letting them down with these issues and that's why we care about this stuff and that's why we bring that up so i hope that they listen and, and do better and not just spit out games because hey it doesn't matter they can make 1900 games and they're going to sell out in the first hour because these people keep on buying it no matter what what's thrown at them maybe we're starting to see that turn and they maybe you know i know that they've definitely lost customers that will not buy another spooky anytime soon because they got burned that's what you got to be concerned with and the question to us is always how long can you operate where you're delivering a game where the year later the code's a disaster and uh, the quality control is just really bad. How long can you do that before you start getting burned by it? Yeah, here's like we so we had league last weekend at uh, our friend Mark's house, and he has a Rick and Morty, and a few of us ended up playing Rick and Morty after league night, and I was laughing my ass off. I was having a blast. I know Nick doesn't like that game, but I happen to really like it. And it's absolutely, if anybody else made that game, well, not anybody else, but if like JJP or Stern made that game, I would absolutely own it. But I just don't have the confidence that the game is going to hold up and keep working based on experiences of others. And, you know, I, you know, Patrick again, and uh, a few of our other friends own one of those games and they had issues. And it's like, I just don't want to deal with that for the price of that game commands. No way would I buy it. So it's i said i'm happy to have friends who have that game so i can go over there and enjoy it uh and then just go home and play my games <laughs> i don't have to worry about uh all the mechanical issues so um yeah rick and morty love it uh would absolutely own it but um spooky needs to step up their game and uh hopefully they will hopefully this is the game that does it and you know they they're they turn a corner and um but they have to prove it all right is that enough is that enough uh spooky pinball and uh and scooby-doo yeah yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, we we can touch briefly on Drained because uh, you know we talked to Nick about it, but it was we got two pinball announcements this uh, this month, so it would be uh, uh, unfair to not at least mention Drained got officially re- released to market uh, by Four Amusement Only Games. It's the first third party P3 module uh, for the uh, the Multimorphix P3 system. Um, so 
Nick Baldridge is the designer and developer. Molly Baldridge is uh, the artist. She's, it's her first time uh, doing pinball art. And uh, Charles Wolfe did the sound. Uh, Andy, Anthony Swan did the CAD. And Coleman Martin did the CNC. So price and production, it's uh, $3,500 for the kit with all the art uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, it's uh, purchase instructions. Visit drainpinball.com. Of course, you have to have a P3 already to to play it. So uh, you got 15 vampires to battle, a uh, whole bunch of RGB LEDs. What's, what's cool, what I like, I, two, two things I really like, that it's got a, a brings back a physical bell and it has a, a physical knocker just attached to the module itself. So even if your your P3 doesn't have a knocker in it, you can just, when you, if you drop in the drain module, that it's got it all built in, which is cool. So it brings some of that old school feel with the the new school uh new school features of the p3 so yeah it's got stuff like uh bluetooth updates or, or, uh, wi-fi updates bluetooth headphone support uh profile support so you can have your own uh profile um and the rules and code you've seen me play this on the stream so if uh if you have questions about the the rules and stuff but look look at how many more rules there are here so so much more description of rules as you know it's almost like he thought through a lot of uh a lot of his rules and provided a lot of that detail here for you to uh Help you make your decision before you buy the game. So I really like the the art. It's got a black and white art style, kind of like uh, uh, like Centaur. It reminds me of that uh, from an aesthetic point of view. Um, it's got a gobble hole, which we haven't seen since 1964. So again, bringing back a lot of uh, classic pinball uh, features that we haven't seen and implementing them in a, a cool new way. So. It has art like uh, less less Centaur to me, more edward gory if you know that artist yeah it is uh they have said edward gory it was absolutely the inspiration for the art um oh see look at that uh, there you go you nailed, you nailed it, it then i had no idea yep so there you go <laughs> apparently they nailed it because they got that that um they got that uh response from you so that's good but yeah i just meant like from the black and white feel of the game overall i think other pinball players will will recognize centaur more than they will edward gory but yeah, really, really cool stuff. So check it out, uh, drainpinball.com. Congrats to to Nick for the launch of the the first third party P3 game. Uh, what else? Oh, Stern's moving. Uh, uh, actually, let's let's go to let's go to Zidware first. Zidware, remember Zidware, <laughs> the original? Were the original the original pinball scam that we started talking about after the podcast? Maybe. Uh, but this was John Papaduke. Uh, Magic Girl, remember? Oh my God, it's so amazing! Look how beautiful the game is. I gotta have it. Let me throw ten thousand dollars at at J Pop because he made uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights and he made Theater of Magic and World Cup Soccer and those were great '90s games. And I want that that level of detail back in my game. So uh, he started up a you know the the Cliff Snows version is he started up a a quote unquote boutique pinball manufacturer and he was gonna make uh, limited runs of these games like. Magic Girl and Alice in Wonderland, things like that. This was actually how we got Zombie Yeti into pinball because he he's actually the one who found Zombie Yeti. So he, we did get something good out of, of John Papaduke and Zidware. But um, yeah, so basically he promised a lot and didn't deliver more than a few prototype machines and, uh, you know, White Woods and mock-up play fields. Here's the original Houdini layout. Um Again, th his games look amazing. There's no doubt about it, uh, and they they have a lot of creativity in the the aesthetics of them. Uh, whether or not they play great is <laughs> to to be determined. It, that was one of the things like back in the day, the Williams days. Apparently, 
a lot of other people took his games and brought them into a, a playable fun state and into a state that's easily manufactured. Uh, he's, he's got that creative vision, but not necessarily to bring it to production for, for pinball. So, uh, they made, um, they made 25 magic girl machines were to buyers, but they were uh, not complete. Um, you know, the rules were jank and the, there's areas of the play field you couldn't get to. And here's a, a mock-up of Vales in Wonderland looks really cool. Yeah. But this is like foam core and paper and cardboard and stuff, you know? So it's just to give an idea of what the game could be like. Um, so basically they went to court, the, the people who didn't get their uh, games or submitted money and, and never got a product took, took J pop to court and they came to a settlement and one of the more, this is a massive article. So go to pinballnews.com if you want to read this whole thing. But one of, one of the more interesting things was that they actually discovered that John was hiding a studio that with all of these assets in it that he was not revealing to the court. Like somebody, somebody tracked this down. And so finally the people who, who gave J-pop money are going to be able to get some money out of this by selling all of these assets. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the that's the nut the nut graph right there. So um, there's a bunch of uh, you know prototype Magic Girl stuff. There's a ton of pinball parts. There's you know here's here's three you know half working cabinets probably, and they're all they're all in a storage area. Here's some some artwork retro uh, zombie atomic venture land or whatever that is <laughs> that went to Deep Root. Um, and if you remember us talking about. Uh, Turner Pinball a couple months ago, though the guy who launched the his company via DeepRoot.com, some contest on DeepRoot.com, but also wants us to think that he's not DeepRoot 2.0. He uh, <laughs> he bought some of these assets, so he's he's interconnecting himself even more with DeepRoot, even though we're not, not supposed to think about him being part of DeepRoot. Um, but here's here's all of that uh, John stuff in storage now, like it's all in storage. Um, they're going to take it to auction, I think is what, what the next step is. So, you know, this is, this is the end of the road for that, um, pinball saga, I guess, Sam, again, buy pinball machines that exist. Uh, don't, 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 uh, you know, put all your money into hopes and dreams, play a game. If you like it, buy it once it's in a box and ready to ship. Right. Right. Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, now we can move on to Stern. So Stern Pinball is relocating. I, this took me by surprise. I didn't was not I did not see this coming. So this is a a news article behind a paywall. So somebody copied it and pasted it onto Pinside. Uh, so Elk Grove Village has awarded a pinball machine manufacturer up to two million dollars in tax in- increment financing funds to expand and relocate its operations a few blocks away from its current location in the Village Business Park. Under an agreement approved by the Village Board this week, Stern Pinball will get the funds in installments over at least the next six years as part of a move to a 163,000-square-foot warehouse at 1001 Bus Road, B-U-S-S-E Road. So if you want to go stock Stern, that's where they're going to be. Um, so they had moved to... Uh, so company officials said the cost to expand and move from its smaller... 110 square foot building uh, are prohibitive, and that's uh, why they are were they had considered leaving Elk Grove. So officials decided to give them some incentives to stay. So 
I think the last time they moved was in 2014 or 2015, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Stern moved to Elk Grove from Melrose in 2015. So they, they've been in their current spot less than seven years or about probably about seven years, seven, eight years. Um, so it's, it's not a lot of time to move all that stuff, but at least they're, they're getting a bigger facility. Hopefully that'll make, help them scale up production even more and get caught up on this backlog. Cause it's, they're still not all caught up on like Elvira's house of horrors and things like that, that they promised people uh, a couple years ago. So, um, hopefully this gets them moving <laughs> and less flooding. That's right. Borg <laughs> chat, less flooding. Um, yeah. So any thoughts on uh, Stern moving? Oh, I got some pictures here while you talk to you. Not good at good on them. That's a yeah. that's a positive sign, right? More yeah. more room for more manufacturing and uh and get through their backlog of games. So like I said, I mean Stern's been crushing it. Stern is just this is uh I think this is this is maybe the best period of pinball ever. Um I know like the like heyday in many ways was like the early nineties, but I, I think in just the level of talent that Stern's has right now, um, you know, the number of pinball manufacturers in existence. Like there, there's something to be said about the games and and what's happening right now in pinball. Yeah, we we are definitely spoiled with with good games right now. Uh, it's a it's a, a great time, great time. Oh yeah, I, I didn't actually show the pictures. Yeah, here's the pictures. So that's the that's the building. It's a cool looking building. I like all the windows and stuff in the front. Like some of the uh, these are from uh, Nap Arcade. You track these down. So yeah, it's a, it's a swanky That's little uh, locale. Yeah, nice, good for pinball. Yep. Uh, pinball Brothers. Speaking of janky manufacturers, Pinball Brothers. Uh, they are putting Queen into production. Everybody already forgot about Queen. Nobody, nobody cares already. Uh, but the Queen pinball machines are in production. At least a few are. This comes uh, from Nap Arcade as well. Uh, pinball Brothers, the maker of the well-received Alien pinball machine, shared pictures of their next game, Queen, being built. Pinball Brothers added the message, stay tuned for more to their post. All right, okay, that's great. <laughs> Hopefully Queens will begin shipping to customers in the near future. Okay, yeah, always stay tuned for more. So there's 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 a spinner. And there's a there's a ramp, a wire form. And there's some some ladies with their tops off from behind in the pop bumpers. There you go. You got that going. And uh yeah, they're they're putting them together. Whether or not there's any software to make them go, <laughs> to be determined. Stay tuned for rules. Uh, yep. So there you go. That's that's Queen. They're making them. Uh Nick, you ready for yet another new pinball manufacturer? Are you ready? No. no. But I understand how the world works, so let's go. <laughs> okay. You know, we go back to the beginning of the show and to remember what we said with Nick Baldridge and all the, all the, you know, he had to get a business license. He's created a company business loans, had to find a place to manufacture these. All right. Enter pinball eternal. <laughs> all right. So this is a pinball eternal announcement 24 days ago. Uh, it says, hello, Pinside. Today I released the first alpha gameplay trailer of a game I've been working on. I will be maintaining this thread. Uh, see, he got into pinball four years ago. Uh, he worked for a video game company. They had a lost world. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, the product has been in development for several years. Nearly all parts and electronics are built in house and I'm still finalizing and testing various parts. I have built an entire production and software platform to expand our product line to multiple titles going forward. 
I spent over a thousand hours designing, researching, licensing music, and so many other tasks one by one. And still more to go. Final price for this pinball machine, $2,100. We'll be manufacturing a small first batch of five to 10 games at an early discount of $1,800. Wow, sign me up. A pinball machine for $1,800. What year is this guy time traveling to where he can manufacture that? You got a time machine that takes him to the 1950s and then he transports (laughs) these pinball machines back? Yep. Uh, We just want to make sure that everything from shipping to quality control is bulletproof before scaling. If you're interested in pre-ordering, get in touch. Yeah, shoot him an email. Sign sign up. Here we go. Uh, we will accept deposits starting January first, twenty twenty three. So soon, like you know, a couple weeks from uh, this recording. Don't give any money to this con- guy. <laughs> Our Sorry, deposits Kevin. are contractually one hundred percent refundable if we do not ship you a game. In my journey, if I've learned more than one company. Uh, I've learned of more than one company taking large amounts of money to play with as they wish and never ship a single game. We will build the product first. Okay, so that that's good. I, all right, you you ready to see Pinball Eternal? You want to see it? It's uh yeah, it's gonna be what is what's it called? You know the Papa Duke shit, right? Here we go. All right, shut up, Nick. Here we go. <laughs> there is licensed music, so I don't want to. I don't oh, want to okay. play the sound, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's. <laughs> Have you seen this before? No. It's got a lower dungeon playfield. Realistic yeah. fire effects. Look how look how janky the corners are. Oh, this is the alpha they're saying. Okay, fine. <laughs> Engage switches to electrify demons. Oh, look at the demon. He's oh, it's the death head boss. Oh, like <laughs> look at those parts. Look at those parts. Dual shaker motors. Wow. How much does he want for this? Uh, twenty one hundred bucks, dude. Why don't you just double the price? You're still gonna be cheaper than everything else, and make it. This looks super jank. Dude, <laughs> but but he's got like allegedly he's got licensed music from all of those uh, heavy metal bands. This guy's delusional. There's no market for this. What was yeah. the what were the, what were the games? The Pirates of the Caribbean. What were, what were, I can't think of it right now. Papa Duke's thing. Oh, the sizzles. <laughs> the sizzles. Yeah, this is a sizzle. <laughs> This is a this is the modern day equivalent of Zizzle, and was Zizzle a hit? I don't think so. It wasn't profitable. It's not around anymore. So why is somebody going with the Zizzle model, but then charging like, you know, three times as much? <laughs> Borgdex says, "Get to the part where it's sixty pounds and designed to go in your car's back seat." Uh, I should show, there are pictures of this game. Let me let me find it. In the, let me go to the the uh, gallery for this. Oh man. I can't find it. There was like pictures of the cabinet. They, I, I guess he took this to Free Play Florida, and it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's not, and it, it like never worked when it was there. <laughs> so yeah, and he's he's got like, well, like this. He's here. This yeah. this is really tells you he's like making his own coils, like three D printed parts, and actually like physically winding the wire around the coil itself. Because that's what like, we need in pinball is more janky parts. I mean, mm-hmm. if Kevin and I have said one thing, we want cheaper garbage parts in a pinball machine. That's that's what we want, dude. <laughs> if you want a che- dude, if you want a cheap pinball machine, I guess do a video game pinball machine, right? Like, I don't. It's not for me, but whatever. I, I think there's no. I don't. There's no. The only middle ground on that that I can see is if somebody can bring to market like, you know, forty five hundred dollar like single level kind of like. 
you know, classic, ba- classic like Bally late seventies pinball style machine. If you could do that somehow, then I, I think you and, and do it well and have it be quality. I think you've got something in today's market. I think yeah. I think you can I think you can pull that off if done right. The trouble this is, is to get it to that price, you have to have the scale of a Stern, and you know Stern does the home versions, and they're kind of around that price. But I don't know, Kevin. You're right. So I mean, and this is why you don't you just don't do it. This is why it's not a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> Mister uh, Nerbtastic says an eighteen hundred dollar fire hazard. Sign me up. <laughs> Uh, Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, I know who that is. He's a, he got into pinball almost four years ago, so he knows what he's doing. Buy with confidence. <laughs> Look, dude, if, if somehow he hears this and he's like, oh, God, these guys are assholes. It's like, dude, we, we've, we've seen this. We've been around for almost three times the amount of time that you have been. You've seen every story. Like, I appreciate that you want to bring your talents or something to pinball. I think you probably should have done market research and talked to people because this is – this is like getting ahead of yourself, right? This is like not really thinking, is this something that is going to do well or sell well um, versus like maybe doing a more legit homebrew style game and, you know, just kind of working out your chops and, you know, maybe doing something on the P3 like Nick Baldridge did, right? Like you might have something here, not in this model, but it might be a way that you can contribute to pinball and, and bring something to market. I think the P3 is a great platform for bringing something to market. That's how much? How much was the uh, um, drained, Kevin? Uh, thirty five hundred, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at look at that. I mean, that's more than what you're you're doing, but that's a better design thing, higher quality parts. Like, I don't know. I that'd be my advice to this guy, but I don't think he's interested in anybody's advice. He wants to go full steam ahead and a lot of times people who actually have the ability to build something aren't good at business typically you know you want to partner up with somebody who can't like me i can't build shit guys i got i can't do anything but i have like a good intuition around this right like i i know the business side of things enough to know that this is a poorly executed idea yeah prove and me ba- wrong basically the thread is me wrong yeah everybody in the thread is telling him that <laughs> like it's if you, you you might have something here, but it's too early to be taking pre-orders and and bring trying to bring this to market. It's not there yet. Even the, even in the thread, he says the game is not fun. Like the person making the game says, "Oh, the game's not fun yet." So it's like, why why would you even consider bringing it to market if if you don't consider it fun yet? Yeah, I just deep sigh there. You know, Nick <laughs> Baldridge was saying a lot of things during our interview which is just like very refreshing about like, you know, quality and not getting in over his skis in terms of growth or doing this, like taking unnecessary risks. Like he's a smart guy. He, this is Nick Baldridge's is an example of a guy who can actually make something and, and make pretty sound business decisions. So if you can do that, there's a low bar in the pinball industry. Like you just see some of the shit that people buy and what comes to the market. Like might be able to actually do pretty good in this, but that's, that's rare. Also, you, you, if you if you want to do it like Nick, you need, you need to never be uh, need any sleep. You just you just stay awake twenty four hours a day, and uh, the, the, those type of people are rare. But he can pull it off. All right, Kevin. I see the next note section. Why don't you take it from here? I'm gonna go do my uh, bathroom break. I almost made it. And I made it an hour <laughs> and a half after having coughing right. water. So I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. So it's time time for game room updates. So um, Nick doesn't want to see me share my my Atari Jaguar game. So he's he's gonna go to the bathroom, but. You at home, 
I, so I haven't added any uh, new arcade or pinball machines or anything to my game room, but I have, uh, I've been doing a lot of gaming and uh, share some of those with you today. So I got some new, uh, you know, y'all know my favorite uh, classic video game consoles, the Atari Jaguar, the legendary Atari Jaguar, much beloved Atari Jaguar. And I've got three new games from Atari age. Uh, the first one is uh, the Chaos Engine. Look at that. I've got the box protector on it, so it's super shiny. Um, these boxes are awesome. <laughs> they look really good. So the the, uh, the first two are ports of old uh, Bitmap Brothers games um, brought to the Jaguar. So they look really good and uh, are cool to have in the collection. So Chaos Engine, uh, two-player top-down shooter game. I've not played this one much yet. I tried it, and uh, I like it a lot so far, but it's not the one I decided to dig into first. The one I decided to dig into first is a game called Gods. Um, another Bitmap Brothers game. Um, again, look at that. Really, Will Thorup, I think, is the artist on the boxes. He does a great job. Um, so super fun. This is why I've been playing this one the month the most. I remembered playing this one. I had rented it on Super Nintendo when I was a kid, and so I had some memory of playing that. But I wanted to to dig into it more. So that's what I've been working on. Um, there's also one called Stormbringer. This is another Atari ST game port. Um, uh, not the best graphics, but the, the gameplay is interesting. It's basically a graphical version of a text adventure game. So pretty cool. Um, it's going to take some some trial and error to get, to figure out what to do in that game. But uh, looking forward to, to digging into that. It's a genre that's not very well represented on the Jaguar. And uh, it, it is. Yeah, that's the... the the plastic case is basically the butter cab equivalent for your classic video game. So get yourself a, a plastic case and put it on your game. And uh, last, certainly not least, is a new release for the Nuon. So this is a, uh, the Nuon was a very short-lived DVD platform that played video games in the early 2000s. And Freefall 3050 AD was a game that came out for it. It was actually uh, part of the like seven games that ever got produced for this Nuon. Um, Nuon was the spiritual successor to the Jaguar. A lot of folks who worked on the Jaguar also worked on Nuon. And uh, so uh, Songbird Productions did a re-release of Freefall. This is the signature edition signed by the game's creator, Tony Takuchi. And uh, yeah, so I supported this release even though I already had it. I kind of uh, thought it would be cool to get the, the signature edition. It's got a poster and all sorts of cool little goodies inside. So there you go. If you have a Nuon, you probably don't have a Nuon, but if you do, you should check out Song Productions, if you got a Jaguar, check out Atari Age and uh, and get yourself some new games for your old video game systems. All right, let's see if Nick Lane is back. He's back. Oh, my God, you made it back. All right, that's what's happening in my game room. Uh, oh, two more games I want to talk about real quick. Uh, on Game Pass, I've been playing Return to Monkey Island. Did you ever play the Monkey Island games back in the day, Nick? Dude, did I fucking play Monkey Island? I remember... I, as a proud owner of a Amiga growing up, because I had a good dad who didn't fuck around and he went straight to the Amiga, <laughs> no Nintendo. He calls them Mickey Mouse games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I remember like going to the video game store, the computer store, buying Monkey Island. I remember Monkey Island is like one of my all-time favorite games, playing it on the Amiga. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I picked up, I got Monkey Island 3, or uh, the real Monkey Island so this is what's it what's his name ron gilbert is that it uh yeah i think that's right the ron gilbert this is actually like he didn't he made monkey island one and two the third and fourth and like the tales of monkey island or whatever shit wasn't him so this is kind of like the real monkey island three so i've been, I've been playing that 
a little bit slowly. I didn't want to like beat it too quickly. I, You've been playing uh, Return to Monkey Island too. Yeah, I've been playing that as yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh it's super fun. Like I haven't I've I actually never played the original ones. I played a lot of adventure games, but I never played the the Monkey Island games. Like I played Indiana Jones and King's Quest and Space Quest and all those games, but for some reason Monkey Island was one I never played. But I love that style of game, so I wanted to check it out. And the the new one does a good job of it's it totally feels like a classic game, but it's got some modern sensibilities too. So like if you if you need a hint, you can you can get a hint. Uh, it, it, it's got like a checklist of things you need. To, I don't know if the checklist uh, feature was in the old Monkey Island games, but I like that. It kind of keeps you on track. If you jump out of the game and come back, it's like, what was I doing? You can go into the checklist and it keeps you on track. No, I mean, I, I beat that game when I was 10 years old and it came out and uh, I didn't fucking cheat at all. And I, I think I was smarter then. But that's <laughs> oh, all you totally, do. You, totally. you throw so much time at it. You know, like <laughs> I don't have time. So I already I already asked for a hint. And I feel dirty because I was like, of course I knew that. Um but dude, I would um if you're enjoying that, I would stop immediately and go back and they remastered um both Monkey Island one and two. I would I would a hundred percent play those first because a lot of the appreciation for this game I think is understanding the, the jokes and the story and the characters. Um I think you're you're chipping yourself with that. So if, if you are having fun, I'd highly recommend doing that. The um the remakes of one and two are, are solid. Like they're they're, they're good. Yeah, I uh, I did already. I finished this one already, but I did feel like I was missing out because there's a lot of references to the old games. I went through. There's a little like um, refresher that you can go through. He's got like a scrapbook you can flip through to kind of get the backstory. So I had done that, but it's not the same as having played through it. But you're right. Like not. Ha- I remember, dude. I remember playing those adventure games for hours and just like being stuck on those, like trying to figure out what to do next and trying stuff and with the the passage of time and the the realization of how little time you have left ahead of you it's like all right i'm not gonna spend eight hours today trying to figure out this one puzzle give me a hint so i can move on and check out the next thing which i appreciated um all right so and the other game i played that was really cool uh was arcade paradise it's a sim game where you build an arcade so if you want to build a virtual version of your own game room uh, but what's cool about uh, Arcade Paradise is you can actually play. So you buy a new arcade game, put it in your um, your arcade, which is you start out as a laundromat. Um, you can actually play them all, and they're all pretty fun. Uh, and I it'd been a long time since I played a sim game, so um, I had uh, I had won some some like Xbox raffle, and they gave me twenty five free Xbox dollars, and they were like, "It's expiring. You need to spend it by the end of the month." I was like, "All right, let, let me try this out." Uh, cause I had been kind of keeping an eye on it and I was like, this is actually really, really fun. So I uh, played it all the way through highly, highly, uh, uh, support, uh, arcade paradise. Check it out. All right. What's new in your game room? Uh, so I did a little video a couple days ago. So I picked up, uh, I arcade and, um, I don't know if you can bring it up and maybe, yeah, show I'll, uh, I'll play the video while you're talking. Um, or even just show like the website with the cabinets and how they look. Whatever is easier for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not I'm not a arcade guy. I'm not a meme guy. You know, it's just like all pinball machines. But <clears throat> excuse me, I picked up the Big Buck Hunter Reloaded and I put it in a space in my game room where I never thought something could go like a pinball machine can't go. So then I thought, oh, this is fun. Um, I have another space in my game room and I can put kind of one of these like mini arcade or three-fourths um size arcade thing and like you know i've saw like the one-up arcade stuff before and 
to be honest, that kind of stuff, like I, I get it for people who love nostalgia and I and I understand why somebody might buy a one up arcade, but it just looks kind of kind of like cheap junk to me. Sorry, you know. If I, if oh no, I they people... are they're total junk. Okay, thank. You. <laughs> well, and, and I know, like you and I, like are and I was I, I stumbled over my words in my video that I I filmed of this unit. You and I, like, and and probably everybody listening are about like commercially operated games that we put in our room, like real legit games that would be out in the wild like some of them have history to them or so even the ones we buy new coin door like just built for that so um you know i was looking at that space like i got space to put something like that and the iArcade i i like because everyone in the community was saying like these are a, like a premium quality product compared to one up arcade which is a low bar you know this is still like a home unit this is not a commercial thing it's smaller than an uh certainly smaller than a real arcade game like kevin you have obviously real arcade games um <clears throat> you assemble it put together but it's got a lot of nice things on it like the um the artwork is like like i think almost like what radicals are if i understand radicals like it's it's like got like a plastic protector over it's really glossy um there's a number of different cabinet styles i got which i you know i go back and forth if i like the one i i picked out but i got retromania wrestling because i like that game um they have like a generic cabinet that looks kind of like a, a tron inspired version which i like that as well and then they have like these gold cabs which um look more like traditional u.s arcade cabinets this is like um i think a japanese style kind of like look to it the arcade cabinet but it was 500 dollars on sale and they're still running the uh, sale at iArcade. so um the cabinet style that i have they have different like they have a dragon slayer version they have like um double dragon version and then they have a gold their gold cabinets are like 300 dollars um, but like for five hundred dollars, like I had a, like a, a drink stand there, like a TV stand. I was like, well, that's gonna go. I'm, this is a no matter what, like this is a better use of that space. Um, but I'm actually enjoying it a lot more than I I even thought I would. I, I go down, I played a lot. Um, what's cool about it? It's it's almost like a console because uh, you download games to it, so it's a multicade. It comes with 10 games on it, which is already a better value than 1UP Arcade. Because 1UP Arcades are like 500 bucks, and it's just like one game. 1UP Arcades have that stupid riser. This is like, it sits higher. It's just better quality overall. You get more games. Um, and you download games. You go to their website, and games are like, I don't know, 6 to $10 most of them. There's a couple like $30 games. But not only does it play like you can get retro games for it, you get also like modern retro games. Like uh, I guess like Dead Cells is a big game. I'm going to pick that up when it's on sale. Uh, Retro Mania Wrestling just came out a year or two ago on Steam. That's a fun game. That's on Switch and stuff. So it's got a nice, it's got a nice blend, right? It offers like kind of best of both worlds, and they keep on coming out with games. There's a few hundred on there now. I think the downside of that is they don't have licenses from like Konami and Capcom because that's tied up, I think, with uh, unfortunately One Up Arcade, which are just building kind of junk, as Kevin said. I'm glad you. You said that first. They're building that junk. <laughs> I have no so problem calling those up. junk. They're, they're junk. It's kind of funny, man. I feel like a dick saying this, but people show their game rooms and I look at it. It's like, dude, you've got these like kind of junky things. Like you'd be better off. And I, I understand like they're they're pulling at like the nostalgia string, which I don't really have that. So I'm able to resist it. But you'd be better off buying like one arcade game or one pinball machine just building up over time because it's going to hold their value better. But do what you want. Do what makes you happy. I'm glad you're getting into it. That's like a gateway drug, I think, to real arcade Oh, games totally. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So so we'll talk to you guys in a few years. Welcome yeah. aboard. You'll agree, <laughs> you'll agree if I shall get there, but it's cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, anyways, I, I like this. I think um, I, 
I honestly didn't really know that this thing existed. I remember Kevin, because um, I'm a fan of Mutant Football League, you know, Tim Kitzrow and, also, you know, like the remake. Oh, yeah. They, I Arcade had like a cabinet that was themed with Mutant Football League. And that game was supposed to come out there, but it never did because I guess there was a game breaking bug that like the team on from Mutant Football League didn't want to dedicate to solving it. So it never happened. They only made oh, 100 no. cabinets. Yeah. That would be my dream. If they came out with that, I would I would sell that cabinet and buy the Mutant Football League and get yeah, the game. Yeah, because I remember when they I first saw these, it was a Mutant Fo- Football League version of this. And I, I was like, oh, that's weird that Nick didn't get the Mutant version. Yeah. Mutant Football League version. Yeah, dude. I, I 100%. And, and here, this is maybe my ignorance. When I saw that advertised, I thought it was like, that's cool, but why would you pay $500 or whatever for just Mutant Football League in an arcade cabinet? I didn't realize that this plays like hundreds of games potentially. Um, and the other thing is like, you know, maybe one day if I had more space, a main cabinet would be good, but you know, but main cabinets, you get like 3000 games and you know, it becomes a little overwhelming. So I don't know if it, it fits my scenario, like for what I'm looking for, it's a, it's a good fit. I don't, I don't know. What do you think of it? Were you aware of this product? Did you know much about it? Yeah. So, you know, because I like arcade stuff, they obviously, they started targeting me on Facebook with, <laughs> with ads. Um, and it, they always look neat. Um, I had never played one until I played yours. It's a, it's a good middle ground between an arcade one up and, and the real thing. Like, obviously I'm into the classics. Like I, I enjoy uh, collecting, repairing, restoring the, the original like eighties arcade games. That's, that's what I'm into. Not everybody has the desire interest of, uh, or skill set to keep these things running. Cause they're not easy to, to keep running. So, uh, something like a, an, an IA arcade is, is a great spot to be if you want to play some of these games and without all the hassles of maintaining an old game. You know, what, what I thought was cool is Martha was like, oh, have you ever played Magical Drop 3? Because that's one of these games that, that's on there. I was like, yeah, dude, that's one of the games in my Neo Geo. You know, the Neo Geo is great because you can it's got hundreds of games in it that you can, you can play. And so seeing somebody who had no idea this game existed really now fall in love with this classic video game, it's great. You know, and now... The next time we're together, we can play this game and have a good time, right? Yeah, it's awesome, man. Like, I, I think it's cool that you have, like, real arcade games, right? Like, even though I'm not into it, like, to me, that takes up a lot of space. It's just one game. Um, so it's not it's not my thing. I like the idea of, like, if I'm going to take up some space, it could play a ton. And, you know, my attention for these older style games are pretty limited, right? I like play and then I kind of move on. Um, have you ever thought about doing a, like, I'm curious, have you ever thought about doing a main cabinet? And, and if so, why why not? Yeah, um, it's just not like if I want to play those games, I can play them on main on my computer, right? Like I don't see the the benefit, or I've got it. I have a modded Wii U that I have all those games on. I, I have access to all those games. So if I if I'm gonna have a, a game taking up space in my game room, I want it to be a, a, an authentic game. Uh, Neo Geo is probably the closest thing I would ever get to a um, uh, a main cabinet because i have the the sd cart in there with every neo geo game ever released so i can play the whole library of games so it's kind of my and then the other games i have are games that i i love and then but like something like tempest i've added a board to it where i can play like five different games in that one cabinet so um i i get you on the the wanting to get the most out of the the real estate that these games take up because they are uh they're big and you know you can't you can only fit so many so you want to get as much gameplay out of them as you can yeah, no, that that makes total sense, and I appreciate where you're coming from. Um, the other thing I should mention is that they have online on these old games. Yeah, which that's is cool. cool. I didn't realize like, that either, so that's awesome. 
Yeah, so if anybody's got one of these and wants to play some old school arcade games, that'd, that'd be fun. But yeah, they have a ton of Neo Geo games, so it's helping me appreciate like Windjammers and Magical Oh, dude, Trials. Windjammers is the best. It's so the best good. Game. Dude, yeah. I'm, I, what's cool is like now I'm excited to play like um, art, these arcade Like I've probably like never played your Neo Geo, like maybe once, but now I'm nope. like, now it's got me uh it's got me there to appreciate it and of course like i remember going to aladdin's castle as a kid and you know i'm in my 40s so like i, I wasn't playing pac-man i was playing more like like final fight and mm-hmm. maybe street fighter and turtles and uh, simpsons and all that stuff but it's cool man it's cool i, I love this I, I i really like want to champion this company because i i like their they're hitting my sweet spot and i and i made that video for other people kind of like kind of like me who didn't know it existed so hopefully it's helpful Awesome. Well, I look forward to battling you and some uh, some wind jammers the next time you're over or the next time I'm at your place. I got to get good. You're going to kick my ass. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Brody Even Talk Pinball. Um, if you haven't yet, be sure to follow us on all our social media channels. If you're watching, you can see them at the bottom of your screen. Twitter, Instagram. Well, I'm still on Twitter for now. We'll see how long that lasts. Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. We got a group. Uh, and Discord, if you wanna you wanna chat and you wanna have people show you all the phallic things on the new pinball machines, that's where you go for that. Um, send us an email, talkpinball at gmail.com. Subscribe on Twitch if you want to support us. If you got an Amazon Prime account, you get a free sub every month. You can throw that our way. We also have a PayPal account if you wanna send us a little donation. And a free way to support the channel is to leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform of choice. Uh, before we throw it to Topper Talk with Gorn, episode 15, Nick Lane, anything to say to the folks? Yeah. Um, seek mental help, get a, get a <laughs> therapist. If, uh, our opinion differs than your opinion on a pinball machine and you want to pushes you to violence against us, get, get some help. Um, I mean, I mean that, and, and uh, just happy holidays. Thanks for listening. I want to, you know, when we do a stream, Kevin, and I see like, somebody re-upping their their subs at twitch and they've been there since like you know 2016 or whatever we started 2015 like that's that's amazing it it means a lot to us and it's nice feedback that we're providing value and and uh, of course i don't you know that's that's the goal right to provide value and entertainment to people to help them so i really grateful whether you're subscribing for the first month or your 80th month or whatever we're at now um thank you it's it's appreciated yeah thanks y'all have a great holiday season we will see you in 2023 oh and don't don't forget to tune in for the uh the bad girls holiday special very important so we'll see you soon on 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 birdie even pinball bye Topper talk with Gorin right now. Let's all have some fun. This is about plastic on top of your pin. Go and buy one now. There's a topper here and a topper there. Here a topper, there a topper, everywhere a topper. It's critical to the gameplay experience. You must buy one now. It's your monthly fill of toppers right now. Topper talk with Gorin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Topper Talk with Gorin, the part of the podcast where Kevin and Nick give me about three to five minutes to talk about everything happening in the very active and profitable Topper community. Now, at Topper Talk, we like to stay on top of the abundance of pinball topper news. So today we're going to be talking about the new Scooby-Doo Topper revealed for Spooky Pinball's new Scooby-Doo Pinball Machine. So let's head into the office to talk about it now. Okay, here we are in the office, so let's jump right into this topper. 
So there aren't a whole lot of videos or images released fully of this topper yet, but I did manage to get this nice freeze frame from the Scooby-Doo official reveal trailer from Spooky Pinball. This is the custom villain LED topper. It features uh, a bunch of the game's villains on top of the game, and it, below it, it says the classic line, would have gotten away with it uh, from Scooby-Doo. Um, it is multi-dimensional, so it's multiple pieces of plexi, so it's not just one flat piece of plexi. Now, it doesn't have a whole lot of uh, sculpts or 3D pieces to it, but hey, I'm never going to complain about a topper that is uh, thrown into the game as part of the overall package. Um, it does have uh, color-changing abilities, as we'll see here. So it does nicely change the color, and we see it pan down on the back glass. Now, here is a photo of it on the overall game. And although there's not a whole lot of interactivity going on with it, um, you know, it does have an LED strip or two that change color, but, uh, you know, there's the, the different characters don't necessarily change state or colors themselves. Um, it, it, it does flow nicely with the overall, overall artwork of the game. Um, you know, it's not the typical situation of seeing the name of the game repeated uh, above the game. Uh, we have, you know, the Scooby-Doo cast down here, the name of the game, Scooby-Doo, where are you? And I do like how the overall villains of the game are slowly looking over, or creepily looking over, um, the Scooby-Doo gang. So it does flow together as one cohesive piece, so I applaud Spooky and the art team for that. Um, one thing that would have been nice with a little more interactivity is if we look on the play field, we have all the different villains that I believe that our modes are part of the game laid out on the play field. They'll change color. They'll blink. It would have been nice if that corresponded to the topper. And I don't believe they do. Um, but still overall, I think it's a nice topper, something that you don't have to pay extra for on top of the already collector's edition package. So it's certainly a plus. It does seem to be pretty high. So for um, games going into basements, I'm not quite sure that you'll be able to fit it onto the game. Um, but overall, I think it's a nice cohesive art package that anyone who has the game will enjoy looking at. Now, before we end this podcast, Topper Talk, I'd like to quickly show off the official Topper Talk topper that was graciously gifted to me for the holidays by my friend Sam. So thank you, Sam, for the topper. It will live on top of old Chicago. And that's going to do it for this episode of Topper Talk with Gorn. Tune into the next podcast for another episode. And as always, get out there and buy a topper. Thank you for coming to my Topper Talk. Mm -hmm.